Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where Scott interviews Carl and me about our most recent real estate investment purchased with creative financing in a changing real estate market within a rapidly rising interest rate environment. It'll be fun. Spoiler, it will not be fun. I think what I'm hearing you guys say is, look, we we made a set of rationalized decisions that to us seemed very reasonable. And we borrowed against the cheapest source of capital, which was this one, one and a half quarter, ridiculously low interest rate margin loan. And that that didn't work out in 2022. And, you know, when we talk about thinking in bets, this is a bad outcome, good decision. And this is something that you would do again. And that if you did it, if you do it over the course of 10 years, nine out of 10 years, this is probably going to work out as the cheapest source of capital um, to use to finance a rental property in your situation. And therefore, it makes a lot of sense. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my steady hand co-host, Scott Trench. Thanks, Mindy. Today, we're shaking it up, as you said, and having um, uh, inviting Carl on the podcast. So thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, Scott, it's good to see you again. It's been a long time. I understand your family size has increased by 50% since last time we talked. Congratulations on that. Are we jumping into the money nerd numbers already? <laughs> <laughs> by one human. We, we consider our cat part of the family, so it's probably just a third, um, but close <laughs> What's that noise cats make when they're angry? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or deal with the ramifications of good problems like getting 100x returns on tech stocks and figuring out how to maximize that. Uh, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Uh, Scott, I like that foreshadowing, so I'm going to go with what my attorney makes me say. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. And also, the stock picks that Carl and I made are not recommendations for you. If you make picks and they don't work out, don't come blame us. Before we start, let's take a quick break. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. 
the BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Well, let's let's set this thing up and you know and and, and try to and try to kind of frame the story we're about to tell here. Uh, we I've already kind of alluded to it in the intro there, but you guys um, are ha- have picked technology stocks in the past and they've done very very well and and you know, incredible returns thanks to, you know, perhaps really skillful investing, perhaps a bit of luck um, and, you know, a great, a great bull market here. I would love to hear about that story, about how that came to pass, what, how you started investing in tech stocks uh, and those returns. And I'd love to hear about uh, how that led up to the events of 2022, which I, I think are really interesting and, and illuminating story for us. Okay, Carl, you want to talk about your uh, massive luck? Scott said maybe a little bit of luck. I'm going to go with it was a whole big bunch of luck. Yeah, I think it was pretty much luck. I feel like we need a sound effect like the Wayback Machine because, Scott, I'm going to take you back to way back to 2004. And before I tell you about these couple of stocks, I want to preface my story by saying I'm a big believer in index funds well, now, but now. I did not know what an index fund was until like 2013 and 2014. So back then I was a computer programmer and I was kind of obsessed with everything around that, the, the technology. And the first time I encountered Google, I could go full on nerd on you, but your audience does not want to hear that. I thought Google was incredible. So I'm like, I want to invest in this company. And it wasn't quite public, but then I learned it would be public in August 2004. So we bought, I think it was probably about $5,000 worth of Google shares. And Google's done super good. It's done awesome. Uh, And I I just continued to buy other tech companies. We bought Facebook and that IPO, and I think that was around 2012, although double-check me on that. Another one I bought, I'm a nerd, and I thought Elon Musk was cool, although that that might have changed recently based on current (laughs) events. But he was doing all this cool tech stuff. I'm like, yeah, that guy's pretty cool. And then I saw a Tesla on the road, and I'm a car guy too, and I thought, man, that's a pretty neat car. I'm just going to take like – a couple thousand bucks and throw it into Tesla and see what happens. Just just on a whim. I didn't really expect that to amount to anything. But that was back in the end of 2012. And I think the split adjusted shares were like uh, 66 cents right around there somewhere. And now they're still, despite the things that have happened recently with the stock decline, they're still over $100. So it's been a fantastic return. A couple others real quick. We have Amazon and Apple as well. And uh, my biggest strength is just being a stubborn ass, which usually doesn't serve you well in life. But when you hold stocks and they do well, not selling when they have an incident or wrong things happen, bad things happen, bad temporary things happen, uh, it works out well most of the time. So I think that Carl is glossing over the fact that he reads every bit of news about every one of these companies obsessively every single day. And 
it's kind of difficult to get the the idea of the scope of his uh, his research into all of these companies just with a quick five minute overview of his investments. But he subscribes to this newsletter and that newsletter, and he listens to every Tesla podcast and all the time. And I mean, I know listeners have heard me chide him jokingly. He talks about it all the time. He's constantly doing research and reading articles and gathering knowledge. It isn't just, oh, I Googled something once, so I thought it was a cool company, so I threw some money at it. He did a lot of research into each one of these companies before actually throwing money in there. So I don't think that you should never, ever, 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 ever pick individual stocks. But I think that if you can't discuss at length the corporate values and what the company does and tons of information about that company, why do you think you should be investing in that company? If you don't have the time to do the research, why do you think they deserve your money? Yeah. And I I just want to echo, I agree conceptually, you know, I invest in index funds, essentially all of my stock portfolio is in index funds um, because I do not believe that I can, I can generate those outsized returns. I do not, I'm, that's not me saying I don't believe it can't be done. Clearly people can do it. It just takes an elite level of commitment and, you know, um, it, you know, an, an obsession perhaps to the same level that we obsess over real estate. Um, a lot of, a lot of folks, uh, and the real estate community, perhaps even more so in the, in the, in the public markets with that. So, so Carl, to the, to the next question, what is the next, um, hundred bagger stock that we can invest in currently <laughs> over the next eight to 10 years. So we can skip all of that research. Yeah. I, I just want to <laughs> emphasize, even though we've had this, and I'm going to say a, an important four letter word here. That's not a bad one, but that ends in CK. It is luck. And I just happen to be a nerd who read the right things at the wrong time. Uh, I might've had a little bit more insight because I could tell you all about how the dry electrode battery process works at Tesla and what advantages that gives or maybe why Google search dominance could happen, but um, Tesla could be disrupted but tomorrow by a solid-state battery that someone comes up with, or Google might be being disrupted right now by ChatGPT, these AI things that have sprouted up on the internet recently. So even though I've got lucky, i uh, very skittish. All our money is going towards index funds, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Uh, do as I say, not as I did. <laughs> is that what dads say? That sounds like a dad thing. You're a dad. Hey, kid, don't don't do as I. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get a sense of proportion on the on this. Um, so, you, how how much? Uh, you know, could you give us maybe a relativistic sense of your the percentage of your net worth that you invested and the percentage of your net worth that these winning tech stocks became? It was pretty small initially because they were small things in my post tax portfolio. Uh, most of our investments, most of the money we put in were through 401ks and Roths. And with those, they were mostly into some kind of fund, which I transitioned to index funds. And the main reason for that was I couldn't invest in indiv individual stocks because it was a company 401k. Uh, so the amount of money we put into stocks was very small, but at its peak, it probably consumed about half of our portfolio. Uh, yeah, about 50%. And that has since changed. Cue the scary music. Yeah. So okay. So so these 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 small amounts of money, five thousand bucks at a time at first, maybe a little bit more as the years passed, really became 
hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars because of the incredible returns of these companies and a huge part of your portfolio, um, which which have which has waned a little bit because the markets come down in particular in 2022, particularly hitting some of these winners. But it's still a hundred x return in some of these categories, 10, 20, 30 x returns in some in some on some of these individual stocks over the last. 10 to 15 years. Yeah, that's correct. Despite recent what has happened recently, we have still outperformed the index funds, which is uh, pretty rare, and I don't think it's repeatable. I also don't think to something you alluded to earlier is it's probably not sustainable. Every company usually goes bye-bye, and it's very hard to predict when that tide is going to turn. I think the average length of a company now is like 20.7 years. And it's actually decreasing. So good luck, even if you do pick a winner, good luck knowing where to step off that winner. Well, safe to say there was there was a big win here, uh, regardless of whether you know, we, we missed the peak or we, it's coming back or whatever. Who knows the future with that? Um, walk us through how this how this relates to real estate and and, and maybe introducing to some of the events in 2022. Well, we were not looking for a house and a house popped up in our neighborhood where uh the neighborhood that we live in is a desirable neighborhood in the city. So we knew that the and, and I'm a real estate agent. I'm able to run the comps easily because I have access to the MLS. And I knew that this house was at the price that we were negotiating it, it was going to be a really great buy. And we decided that we wanted to purchase this house. It's directly next door to a friend of ours. And it's a ranch-style house. Our current house is a split level, and it has stairs everywhere. It's got four levels. Four levels of stairs. There's just stairs all over the place, which is great if you have little kids and not so great if you are 97 years old trying to live around your house. Our main level doesn't have a bathroom. It doesn't have a bedroom. So it's you have to get you have to use stairs to get to any of this stuff. And we decided a ranch would be much better. So we negotiated a really great price on this house and we bought it with a margin loan. And back when Tony Robinson was on the podcast, Tony Robinson is the host of the Real Estate Rookie podcast. He casually mentioned the concept of a margin loan. And I asked him for more information about this. And I sent Carl a note. I'm like, do you know you can take out like essentially a HELOC against your stocks? And Carl said, I've never heard of that. He did some research and discovered that Tony was, in fact, telling the truth, not that I was doubting him. I had just never heard of this before. So we gathered up all of our portfolio into one location and had the opportunity to take out a margin loan. I think our margin at the time was around $1 million. That was the amount that we could borrow. And we ended up borrowing 500000 to buy this house. Actually, it was a little bit different. And I want to jump back to something you alluded to. It's a ranch, and we intend to move into this house once our kids are out in six or seven years. But, yeah, we had enough margin in there. So after we borrowed the initial $500,000 to buy the house, we still had $1 million in buffer, which I thought would have been enough. Again, cue the scary music. Oh, we had. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, I thought there was only. Okay. Yeah. What, what was the. So, so you, you could have borrowed up to 1.5 million and you borrowed 500,000 with the ability to go up another million if you needed to, right? 
Yes, I should have taken a screen capture, but I believe it was right around there. Awesome. And then, and what was the interest rate on this? On this, because I was Tony said there were very attractive interest rates, like very, very low. Yeah. So, Interactive Brokers is the company best known for offering these kind of arrangements, this line of credit against your portfolio. But then I called E-Trade and said, "What can you do?" And they gave me an even better rate and a lot of cash to transfer our money over there. So at the time we bought the house, it was a little bit over 1%. So we could borrow money. Like, I think it was like 1.2% or something like that. But again, cue the scary music. That rate is variable. Yeah. And it's not variable like an uh, adjustable rate mortgage, which goes up every, what is that, every year? This goes up every month. Or no, every day. It can change. Oh, it can change every day? It can change this every day. This gets worse every time you talk. Don't talk anymore. We need to have better money dates to discuss this stuff. I'm sorry. I feel I didn't I, I'm liable for not full disclosure. Okay, so so we're 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 on top of the world. It's early twenty twenty two. Stock market is is uh, wealth wealth has never been higher. Um the these these, you know, big big Tech stocks have exploded in value over a decade and are are really in, at, at at incredible valuations. We're, we, you're you're borrowing, but it feels like an incredibly conservative amount to borrow um, against uh, uh, because and, and it's an incredibly attractive interest rate. So this all makes perfect sense. You can't argue that any of this at this point is is a is a uh, even even somewhat irresponsible financial decision. Why, why are we cueing all this scary music? What happens next? Ah, well, what happened next is inflation happened next, and the Fed started raising rates to combat inflation. And those rates are tied to the rate of the line of credit. And the other effect of this is when rates start going up, money flows out of growth stocks, which are mostly the tech stocks that our line of credit was against, and flows into other things. So I think the S&P 500 was down like 22% in 2022. But I didn't actually check to see what the NASDAQ was down, which is mostly tech-focused. But I'll bet it's down quite a bit more. Tesla was down 80% if you're keeping score. I like what you said, Scott. We were taking what we considered to be a very conservative position. Yeah. And the danger to a margin loan is that the money you borrow is collateralized by the money, by your investment. So if those stocks go down, E-Trade is eventually going to get to a position where they're unhappy because they've loaned you $500,000 and then all of a sudden your stocks are worth like $550,000 or something like that. I'm just pulling numbers out of thin air here, but you have to maintain a certain amount in there. And if you don't, they will start selling your investments, whether you like it or not and paying down your loan for you because they want to make sure they get paid back. And that process we are referring to as getting called out of our loan. So uh, I'm, I don't know what the actual phrase is, but we didn't want to get called out of our loan or our, have our stock sold for us. So, so to give an example here, if I have a million dollars in Tesla stock at the beginning of the year and I borrow against that, I could borrow up to half of that potentially at these really attractive interest rates, so 500 grand. Um, if te Tesla stock drops 80%, now all of a sudden I'm borrowing 500,000 against 200,000 in stock. I'm either going to be on the hook for bringing 300,000 or, or really probably $400,000 to the table. So I, my, my loan is half of my stock value, which is now 200,000, um, a hundred thousand, or they're going to start selling my Tesla stock for me in order to recollateralize that loan. And they're going to really start doing that before I get to that point. So if I'm at, if it drops to 800,000, they're going to say, we're going to start doing that until your margin's 400,000. And they're going to do that on the way down. 
um, on the way down this journey. This is something you thought, we're going to completely avoid this risk in its entirety because we're only borrowing one-third of the value. But when Tesla goes down 80%, that creates that, that begins putting this pressure on even the conservative loan you took against the portfolio. Is that, is that a correct way of phrasing this? Yeah, that is exactly right. And to add pain to our pile, uh, E-Trade and interactive brokers value your holdings differently. So if all this would have been in like VTSAX, like an index fund, they would have allowed for a bigger line of credit and they would not have been as aggressive with calling their money back because those investments are much less volatile than Tesla or Amazon. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, not awesome, but that's, I think we understand the concept here. How, how do, what, what happens next here? What happens throughout the rest of 2022? And how do, we, how do we resolve this problem that's beginning to compound? Yeah. So, so the one thing we did do is because we're so conservative, even though we did have a huge buffer, and this will come into the story a little bit later, we went and got a HELOC against our primary home. We're like, we, I think the chances of us getting called out are so small, but I really, really don't want to be forced to ever sell anything. So let's get a HELOC just in case this rare, rare scenario does actually happen. By the way, can I? I want to I point out something else here. This is also probably scary because you have a hundred x capital gains in some of these stocks, right? And so if you had to sell those stocks, not only are you having to sell that stock and pay off the, the loan, you've also got to claim these incredible amounts of gains, which are then taxable, right? So that puts compounding pressure on on the situation as well, right? Yes, we were really, really, really anxious to not sell stocks in 2022 calendar year. So I think it was August, we went and opened up a HELOC locally. And just in case we didn't think we would need any of it, but we wanted to be able to pull money out of the HELOC, throw it into this loan to buy ourselves some time to think instead of having to make a snap decision. Because I think the way that it works is once you go below this, whatever the threshold is, you have three days to put the money back into the account or they're going to start selling your stocks. And we wanted to have more than three days to think. So we took out a HELOC. They gave us, I think, $108,000 on against our house. And we didn't. We opened the HELOC. We didn't take any money out yet. We were just waiting. The one thing I was going to say about a HELOC is that can be – Scary too. We had a HELOC on a house when 2008 happened, and uh, the bank actually said, "Up, oh, you can't have your HELOC anymore because house prices have declined." And yeah. we're going to close it. <laughs> yeah, we're like we're going to close it whether you like it or not. So, uh, yeah, you, you never know what's going to happen to your. You make backup plans for backup plans, but so how how did the situation end up resolving? We we took out was was the HELOC sufficient to cover the 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 margin that you needed? Yeah. So this was. Uh, a good roller coaster of a ride, but the down part in this case, most roller coasters are fun going uh, going down. But with your stocks, it's not fun going down. The up part is more fun. Uh, but yeah, Tesla really started to go bad probably towards the last quarter of the year. Elon Musk had to sell a bunch of his own shares to buy Twitter, uh, which I don't think he wanted to do, and his SpaceX shares. And that caused people to freak out. He also went a little um, off the wall on social media. And I think people lost faith in him and uh, the money just poured out of the stocks. And that combined with other ones as well, the big outflow of money from growth stocks. We were really, really close. And I think we have dates in our spreadsheet here. Yeah. 
So on 12-22, it was getting a little bit close. So I went to the bank. I did the walk of shame with my head down <laughs> to the bank person and wired $80,000 from our HELOC over to E-Trade to make sure we wouldn't have to sell a stock. And I, I'm going to say something real quick, which I should have said before. I never like to sell stocks. I like Warren Buffett philosophy. If you do buy a stock, your holding period should be forever. And if you don't think you should hold the stock forever or you can, then you shouldn't buy it in the first place. So the thought of having a sell stock really did not sit well with me. On this note, I want to just dictate dive for one second here. I, I feel like we've had a couple of folks who have this, I'm going to call it an air quotes, problem um, where they've made an, a single investment that ends up being a huge percentage of their net worth, right? And so te- it sounds like that was Tesla for you guys uh, or maybe some of these some of these other tech stocks. We had a gentleman um, many episodes ago on the podcast who had a condo in San Francisco he held for 15 years and that just skyrocketed in value and became – you know, when you have something like that that's – the you know, the bulk or a huge percentage of your net worth. Um, but you've, your philosophy is index funds, you know, because things have evolved at this point. How does one think through exiting that approach? So, you know, like how, how because there's tax ramifications, right? If you have a million bucks in Tesla stock, if you want to sell it, you got to pay 200 grand in capital gains tax, it, you know, rough give or take. So what, do you have any thoughts or advice for folks that might be struggling with that, that problem conceptually? Yeah, it's a really good problem to have. And I have two thoughts. The first thing that's Tesla specific or any stock specific is that the stock price itself is a reflection of the company, but it might not be the most accurate. There's macro things that happen. Uh, The CEO goes off the rails occasionally. There's recessions. Uh, If you really follow the stock, you should be following, you should never follow a stock. You should be following the business. And if you still believe in the business, who cares what the stock does in the short term? On the other hand, yeah, it's a dangerous position to be in because what's the old famous Rumsfeld quote? There are no knowns and known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns. You don't know what unknown unknown is going to come out and topple your castle or company or stock. And uh, you're probably not going to see it until it's too late. People thought the Steve Ballmer left at the iPhone and uh, now where's Windows Phone? So I think if you do have a big amount, I would a capital gains start at like eighty four thousand dollars in income. I would try to slowly, uh, slowly liquidate your portfolio and and maybe try to maximize capital gains. I think, and uh, that's a moving target too. Who knows what capital gains are going to do in the future? And if the company does go to zero, you would have wished you had paid those capital gains instead of holding on to the company to maximize your tax benefits. But is that what we're doing? Um, we are not doing that yet, and my thinking is we're we're very fortunate. I, I feel so ridiculously lucky to be able to say things like I'm about to say, and that's if any of our individual stocks or all of them went to zero, it wouldn't change our life. Uh, it would still be great, and I'm so thankful for that. So I don't feel the pressure that some people have. I, I know two people in my personal life that have like 95% of their wealth tied up in Tesla, and the other 5% isn't that much. So if you're in a situation like that, that's uh, extremely dangerous. If it did go to zero, it would ruin them. But it's all a personal decision. But yeah, I'm thankful to be in a place where if this crazy thing did go to zero, it would be fine. But yeah, eventually there will come a time when we will um, start unloading it, maybe even this year sometime, although I don't think so. I'm still confident in the fundamentals of the company. Uh, Scott, I could tell you 
hours about dry electrode battery technology, but I'm sure you don't want to hear that, and nor do your listeners. Next time, we'll have, we'll have a BP Money special, four-hour special on dry electrode batteries featuring Carl Jensen. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah, I'm not able to make that recording. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, well, you're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Saving for a down payment? 
a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest, Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. I, so let me ask you this question. On the margin loan concept, I, I thought that was really attractive uh, when I heard Tony Robinson say it, and, and I, I wonder still, you know, in spite of hearing the story that you guys you guys have shared, if there's still not a use case for that product. And I would ask, you know, uh, maybe you put yourself in the shoes of me or, or another investor who's a heavily index fund investor with a large after-tax brokerage position. Um, would you consider doing the same strategy using up to one-third of your margin capability, which is probably one-fifth or one-eighth of the portfolio value, from a margin loan perspective to to finance, to use that as kind of like a mini HELOC, even in today's environment? Or would you really shy away from this tool altogether, given your experience? I would do this again. I think that we are, it, it's so hard to use the word victim because we are not victims at all, but we're just the victims of bad timing. If we had done this two years ago, we would look like geniuses. Our margin, like we also keep track of our margin. We weren't... Um, or the margin spread like every day. We weren't shocked when it was all of a sudden we need to throw HELOC money at this because we're checking it frequently. This is something that we want to be aware of because we don't want to get called out. And I think that something that you need to be honest with yourself is if this is something that you're able to do, are you going to be checking it frequently are you going to have a backup plan and a backup plan for your backup plan in case you get called out? You have no idea what the stock market's going to do. Just because it starts going up again doesn't mean it's not going to crash the next day. And we have a backup plan for our backup plan. And we've got the HELOC. And we have 401ks that we can borrow from. And we have lots of other things. We could just sell stock. We don't want to, but we could if we had to. So I would absolutely use this again. Just not right now because there's no money left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a couple things to build on that. Uh, despite our tale of woe, if you can even call it that, our rate of borrowing now is five point five percent, and that's still jarring. It went from one point two to five point five percent, but we couldn't even get a conventional like primary home mortgage for five point five percent. So it's still a great rate, uh, historically speaking. Uh, the second thing I'll say is margin loans are fast. You can press a button and have access to, in our case, $500,000 the very next day. So if you see a deal that you need to pounce on and there's an advantage to coming up with cash, you can have this and you can have it quick. And I think that's why we got such a great deal on our property. We're like, hey, we can close like next week if you want. As soon as title comes back, boom, we are done. And uh, you could use this as a temporary thing too. do the margin to buy a house or whatever investment it is and then just 
uh, pay that off and switch back to a conventional loan or sell stocks or whatever. So I would absolutely use it. It's a great tool. The last thing I'm going to say is a, a bigger pockets money listener uh, actually got in contact with, with me after the first time we talked about this. And there are strategies to mitigate this, especially if you're on interactive brokers. I can send you a link if you all do show notes and you can put into that. But if I was on that, I didn't even understand what this guy was talking about. It's pretty sophisticated, but Big Earn, early retirement now is uh, hyper smart about this. So if I were going to do this, I would look at his blog post about how to mitigate some of that risk. Okay, great. We'll link to that at the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash money show three, seven, six. And yeah, I, I think, I think what I'm hearing you guys say is, look, we, we made a set of rationalized decisions that to us seemed very reasonable, um, very probability weighted, very, very thoughtful, um, throughout this, this situation. And we borrowed against the cheapest source of capital, which was this one, one and a quarter ridiculously low interest rate margin loan, we thought with a degree of safety. And we also had other pools of, of emergency last resort capital if we needed to get that from our house, for example. And that that didn't work out in 2022. And you know, when we talk about thinking in bets, um, you know, th that's one of my favorite books by Andy Duke. This is a, a thinking in bets exercise. This is a bad outcome, good decision. Um, and this is something that you would do again. And that if you did it if you do it over the course of 10 years, nine out of 10 years, this is probably going to work out as the cheapest source of capital um, to use to finance a rental property in your situation. And therefore, it makes a lot of sense. But once every while, you have to know when you're playing poker, someone's going to have that better hand, even if you are betting correctly on that. And you have to have your way out so that you, it doesn't actually, you know, because you can't play a game where you're going to go BK once out of every 10 years, even if it is mathematically probable to get rich. You didn't do that. You had your backup plans. And that's what, that's what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, absolutely, we do this again. Um, just a little bit of bad luck this this year in 2022. We were able to, to, to move through it. Um, and, and it's still a great tool. It does not disprove the use of the tool. Is that a good way to phrase it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. There's a good John Maynard Keynes quote that I always think about in times like this. And it goes, the stock market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And uh, yeah, I never thought that would apply to me. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, so has your strategy for the property that you bought changed at all as a result of this? Do you think you're going to still hold it as a rental? Yeah, it lit a fire under our butts to get it done sooner than later. So it starts generating income instead of taking all of our current income to have money to it. Our, our scope did expand a little bit due to issues we found with the house and a couple other things. But yeah, I think we're still going to do the exact same thing. Just uh, yeah, I'm going to get over there. And right after I'm done with this, I'm going to be working the uh, air compressor and <laughs> nail gun. Sky, if you're not doing anything, if you want to come up, learn some home improvement. We'll do that. We'll do that uh, at the same time as we record that um, four-hour dry battery uh, podcast here. Oh, yeah. You guys could talk about the dry batteries while you're working on the house. No, it sounds wonderful. So it sounds like you guys – it sounds like it doesn't change anything. And and maybe a lesson there to learn as a takeaway as well is you know, if you are able to get a really attractive source of financing for a property, but there's a variable interest rate or it's a non-traditional source of financing, maybe you should still run the numbers on that property with more traditional – um, uh, rates, you know, at that, at, you know, at, at the rates, maybe current 30 year mortgages, or even with a little bit of a buffer, make sure it's still cash flows in case there is an issue that requires you to rearrange your financing, because that may change the return profile. And it sounds like in this case, it still works, even with the higher rates. It does. It just doesn't work as well. But you know, the, some of the advice that I see in the bigger pockets forums over and over and over again, 
is have multiple exit strategies. And we did. We had the plan is to have this as a medium term rental because the neighborhood doesn't allow for short term rentals. Have it as a medium term rental until our kids move out of the house and then we will move into it because it's a better retirement house than our current house. We could sell it. We could turn it into a long-term rental. This neighborhood commands good rent rates. So even a long-term rental would make sense. Short-term rental is out. Um, It's a flip. We could sell it just outright if we decided that we get to the end of it and it doesn't work out. We can just sell it. There are three exit strategies and we're going to move into it. Like we could technically move into it. It doesn't quite fit our family. It's a smaller house than what we have now. Um, But if we had to, we could move into it as well and then sell this house. And Scott, I'm just saying Longmont is a wonderful place to raise a family, especially one kid, one cat families, if you would. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Are there any uh, babysitters available in Longmont? Oh, conveniently enough. Yes. Awesome. I live with two. Long, long that's a wonderful place. So one day, uh, um, on that and, um, on a more, on a, on a, you know, uh, half serious, half lighthearted note, Carl, uh, I am kind of curious about the, the batteries that Tesla produces. Is there a good resource we could link to in the show notes there for folks to learn more about that? I'll think of a good one and send it to you in the show notes. There's a podcast <laughs> called Tesla daily. Rob Mowry is awesome. And, uh, yeah, he, he goes all over it. I think it's like that recording might be four hours long, but if you're really into it, he makes the bull case for Tesla. Perfect. I can just imagine you listening to that while, while uh, patching the drywall at the new property. It's absolutely riveting <laughs> to me at least. Oh, that was a great pun. That was a fantastic one. Anyways, Mindy and Carl, thank you very much for coming on the bigger pockets money podcast. Um, is there anything, anything else that you want to share about this story before we conclude? I want people to know that they should be extremely conservative when they're doing financial monkey business like this. What we did was absolutely legal, but there are elevated risks with this elevated level of financial monkey business, I guess is the really great way to phrase this. Um, So be conservative. If we would have uh, taken out the entire margin... We would be hosed. We would have been selling socks a long time ago. Have backup plans for your backup plans and maybe a third backup plan. You know, if you don't have to use them, great. You just had an exercise in creative thinking. If you have to use them, you're going to be so thankful that you were able to think about it calmly as opposed to, oh, my goodness, I'm in a panic. I have to do something. Let me react instantly. That's never when you're making your best decisions. And Scott, I'm just curious, what is your cat's name? Cat's name is Fred. Fred, okay. Fred has made a handful of appearances on the Bigger Pockets podcast, Money and Money podcast, when when uh, after record from home for various reasons. So nice. <laughs> yeah, our situation didn't turn out exactly how I thought it would be. It's a lot different. But uh, my worst case scenario, having to sell stocks, hasn't happened. That doesn't mean it won't happen yet. By the way, our buffer with the margin loan—I checked it before this recording—is back up to almost. $200,000. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what the average of it over the six months of it was. It matters what it is on a specific, very specific point in time. And uh, yeah, that's the hard part. Over the long term, it'll be okay. Are you repaying the margin loan at this point? Is that a, pri- is that a, a personal finance priority? Nope. After we get the house rented, though, every dime from that sucker is going to go right back into the margin loan. 
Yeah, that that is one thing I'll call out actually before we before we conclude is when you take out a margin loan or a HELOC, I think you should think about it as a short term debt. I like to think about it as if you're thinking about this as a five year or longer loan, something's wrong in my opinion. So that means if you take out sixty grand on a margin loan or HELOC, you need to be thinking about not just the interest you're paying, but a thousand dollars a month, sixty months, right over five years, a thousand dollars a month that you're repaying to that, uh, that, that principal balance. So if you buy a rental property, for example, with, uh, uh, let's say they bought this property with, for $500,000 with a, um, you know, a, a $380,000 mortgage and it cash flows 500 bucks after that mortgage. But you also used a margin loan. Even if that margin loan was at 0% interest for 120 grand, you got to pay back two grand a month. So that, this property is going to suck $1,500 out of your life every month in that case with both those sets of financing for the next five years. And this is where people get themselves into trouble with these short-term financing instruments, buying long-term investment properties. You're not going to have that problem because you only used this one loan to buy the, the, the whole property um, with that. But that's, that's something that you want to think about uh, as a listener if you're thinking about financing properties with two types of you know, a debt, a long-term debt and a short-term debt, because that, it, that interest rate is going to deceive you into thinking it's great financing, but it's really going to create a tremendous amount of pressure on you for several years. Yeah, I can see somebody taking it out, taking HELOC out, and then since that's against their personal house, they're paying it back with their personal money. You should be paying that back with your rental money. And if your rental money can't cover that, then is it really worth buying that rental property? Yeah, I think investing should de-stress your life with each incremental asset, not put compounding pressure on you until you reach these breakpoints three to five years out. Wow, do you feel seen? I should have talked to Scott like eight months ago. (laughs) Well, great. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for coming on the BP Money Show. This was wonderful and really, really appreciate it and hope to have hope to have you back to discuss, um, you know, a big winner next time, you know, ne- next year. Let's, let's do that. That sounds great. Thanks for having us, Scott. We had a great time on the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. Thank you, Scott. Please say hi to Fred for me. We will. We will, we will certainly do that. And kiss your baby for me. Always. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.